Good morning. I'm glad that you could join us this morning uh, as we begin a new month, the month of December, where we celebrate the birth of Christ. It is a time of great joy. Regardless of circumstances, it's still a time of great joy because during this time we received the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. So I'm glad you could join us today here on campus or in your home or wherever you might happen to be joining us this morning, afternoon, or whatever time you'd be uh, watching this. I believe God has a word for you today. And uh, Pastor Rick and Pastor Jen sends their regards. Today we are not going to have communion. Communion is going to be next Sunday. So if you have your emblems ready at home, you can put that as Put them aside, I'm sure they can wait another seven days and we'll be able to celebrate communion together next week. And I also want to just thank the the translators that are bringing this word to you. If you're listening to this in Spanish or Italian, uh, there is a team behind all that and we really want to acknowledge that. And of course, the great team here uh, that's bringing the message to you, our media team. So with that, let's go to the word of God. And uh, maybe before we go into the Word of God, I just want us to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness towards us. We thank you for your provision. We thank you that you are a consistent, constant God who doesn't change, who is the same every season. We thank you, Lord, that you have a word for us this morning. We pray that you speak to us with clarity, causing fear to disappear and faith to rise. God, and we are sure enough that we'll give you all honor and all glory. God, you deserve our praise, you deserve our honor, and you deserve all glory. Therefore, minister unto us this morning, in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So if you've been with us this year, since January, Pastor Rick and Pastor Jen have taken us on a journey of faith. Our theme for 2020 was Faith Moves. Faith moves. And you might ask, faith moves what? Faith moves whatever you want moving. Faith moves mountains. Faith moves destinies. Whatever is in front of you that you want God to act upon, faith is that ingredient that makes those things move. And our theme scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is talking to his disciples after they had failed to cast out a demon. And they went to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, you have faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you and nothing will be impossible for you. This is why faith is so central to our faith, to, to, our, Christian, to our Christian faith, to our beliefs. Faith is what makes us Christians, because to come to God, we must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And in this month of December, we are talking specifically about destinies. Faith moves our destiny. A destiny is an expected end an expected result. It might be with respect to your family, your career. And the ultimate destiny for every Christian, born-again Christian, is to be seen, to be united with Christ one day. To hear the words, 
well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That is our destiny. So when we say faith moves our destiny, we want to prepare ourselves to be able to reach that destiny. So this is the focus of this month. As you know, from January, as you might know, from January to July to June, we had the same monthly theme scriptures. And the theme scripture that we have today is the theme scripture we also had in July, in June, sorry. And Pastor Rick taught us about God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. For us to reach our destiny, we need God's wisdom. And the theme scripture for this month comes from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. So that, faith, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. This verse is best understood within the context in which it was written. It was written by Paul to the Corinthians, a church that he had planted years or months earlier. When Paul, was right, when Paul visited Corinth, it was the greatest city in all of, Greek, in all of Greece. And they were known for human wisdom. They were known as wise people. The philosophers, the mathematicians, you would find them in Corinth. And Paul coming from Israel, they were not known for that wisdom, for that human intellect. And so Paul goes to Corinth to plant a church. And whilst in Corinth, he humbled himself so that he could preach the message of God. He could preach the gospel without reference to what we call worldly wisdom. And now years later, he's writing his, this letter to the church in Corinth. And he says, and so it was with me from verse 1 of chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power. And now, the fifth verse. So that, why did Paul do that? So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And this is the thrust of this month. That our faith might not rest on anything that surrounds us in this. I think over the past 200 years, we have advanced in wisdom, in knowledge, far, at a far much greater pace than seen in any part of, of history. And it's, it's, it's easy to get carried away in human wisdom. But the Bible is still true during the time of Paul as it is today. And today, you still say, your faith must not be shaken by whatever is surrounding you. Your faith still must rest in God's wisdom. And today, as we, dig, as we dive deeper into this topic, I just want to talk about three principles that can help you experience God's power in your own life. That can help you activate faith on a daily basis. Activate faith when the stakes are high. Activate faith in the 
in the, in the simple, in the everyday life. And this is the principle of obedience, the principle of sacrifice, and the principle of uncompromising focus. I find that organizing life makes, organizing life by principle makes it easy for us to make decisions. It makes it easy for us to correct our course in life when we are wrong. We can quickly see it when we make a wrong judgment because we have the fundamental principles that we hold true in our own lives. 2020 has been quite a challenging year. And as we speak about faith, I know there are some who are questioning God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's ability to meet our needs. But nothing is new under the earth. What is happening today has happened before. And even though I think we have watched time and time again our freedoms being taken away this year, as we got restricted to our houses or to our neighborhoods, to our city or just to our region or to our country. There was a time when we couldn't travel to any other part of the world. And it felt like we were in captivity. But Israel, part of the nation of Israel, also went into captivity in Babylon. And this is what the word of God said whilst they were there. For I know the plans I have for you. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. Those words are still true today as we end this year, that God has plans for you. What are those plans? They are to prosper you. They are to give you a hope. Not just hope, but they are to give you a future. A future that is from God. Because we know every good gift comes from God, the Father of lights, according to James. And he is still true to his word even today. As we, let me just first define faith. Maybe if you're joining us for the first time, it is good for us just to start with the basic. What is faith? So the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, which is the hall of fame of faith, where we have all the heroes of faith. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The New King James Version says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, what we hope for, the confidence in what we hope for is faith. That substance that we can hold dear in times of trouble, when we do not see the light, but knowing that the light is coming. That is faith. David went through a difficult season, and in that difficult season, he still held, he still held on to the belief that God was going to be faithful and was going to see him through. In Psalm chapter 27, verse 13 and 14 says, he says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart. You might have lost heart. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. You might be facing great challenges, but my message to you today, as David says, do not lose heart, you, for you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. 
So, as we move forward, we might want to hear, what is it that God has for us? What is God saying in this season? So let us turn to the first principle that we talked about, the principle of obedience. So obedience is simply compliance with an order, request, or law, submission uh, to another's authority. So that is what obedience is. And normally we exercise our faith in obedience, in sacrificing, in those two areas. And what do we obey? First, of all, first and foremost, we obey the word of God as it is written in the Bible. And normally obedience, when we obey, there's usually a promise attached to it. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 3, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. What is that promise? So that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on earth. So if you're a child and you're watching this, and you're asking, what do you have to obey? Here is something you can start by obeying. And we can all learn from this verse. Obey your parents. Honor your father and mother so that it may be well, go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The word of God is the source of everything that we can hope for, we can believe for. And it is the, la the lamp unto our faith. It is what we have to follow. And David in Psalm chapter 119, verse 11, he says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the word that David is referring to here is the word written or spoken by God and captured. In those days, there were tablets. Now we have all the books put together in the Bible. And the Bible is the basis of our faith. It is the basis of everything that drives our lives. It is that foundation that we need to reach for what God has for us. And in addition to the word as it is written to the Bible, God often speaks to his children also directly, be it in a dream or as I speak right now, you're all listening to me, but each and every one of you is hearing a different message. And that is Rema, the, the word of God is specific to you. It is normally the word that has direction for your life, what God wants you to do, where God wants you to be. That's Rema. And God spoke to Abraham to leave his own country to a country that he was going to show him. That was Rema, and it was specific to Abraham. But as we know, Lot also heard of the word of God as it was spoken to Abraham and followed. Even though they had obeyed the same word, they had different end results. So it is important that once you have developed your relationship with God in, in the word as written in the Bible, 
You seek God as He desires you, as He desires in your life, specific to your life. And this is, the, the word rema is actually the, the word that's used in Romans chapter 17, 10, verse 17. When Paul explains to the Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God as referred to by Paul is rema. The word is spoken by God specific to an individual, specific to a case. And how do we get that word? We've talked about dreams. We've talked about listening to the message being preached. The greatest, the most, or the usual way that God is going to speak to you is through the Holy Spirit. And it is important, therefore, that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Once we receive Christ, it's important that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. But the Counselor. If any of you have been to a Counselor, a Counselor is different from a lecturer. A lecturer has one word to a classroom. It might be 50 or 300 people. They all have to hear the same message. It's like the Bible. But the Holy Spirit has a word specific to you. He is a counselor. He understands you. He knows your needs. He knows how this year has been to you. Not, he knows to everybody, but he knows it, how it has been specifically to you. He knows your dreams as an individual. He knows your challenges as an individual. He knows what you're facing as an individual. And therefore, he is our counselor. And the counselor, if you seek him, he can direct you because that's his role. He is there to lead us unto all wisdom, unto all knowledge. In Genesis chapter 26, we learn of Abraham. We learn of Isaac when there was a famine in the land. It might look like there's a famine in the land, a famine in the land right now. And Isaac was considering to go to Egypt, taking things into his own hands so he could deal with the challenge. But the word of God came to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Genesis chapter 26 Verses 1 and 2. And we all know that Isaac obeyed. Then Isaac sowed in that land during the year of famine and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper, continued prospering until he was very prosperous. So this is the promise of the Lord. If we follow the word as specific to us in, a, in our circumstances, we begin to prosper. We continue prospering until we are very prosperous. Because as he was with Isaac, so he is with each and every one of us today. And then, 
In addition to obedience, God might ask us more than just following an instruction. It costs us something, and that is the principle of sacrifice. We have great heroes of faith, of people that obeyed God to the point of sacrifice. Abraham had waited 75 years, and he had not heard from God. And at 75 years, God speaks to him for the first time. And he doesn't give him a child that he had been praying for. He tells him to leave his land into a land that he was going to show him. 24 years go by, and God doesn't do anything. And then at 99, God speaks to Abraham and changes his name. And Abraham gets a testimony that he is the father of many nations. He speaks of that testimony for three months. And Sarah conceived. And when Abraham was 100, he finally held Isaac in his arms. And then when Isaac was 12, God appears to Abraham. You think Abraham has had it all. He has been through the greatest challenges. Now it's his time to relax. It's his time to enjoy the company and to, to, of his child, to watch his child grow. But God says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on a mount I will show you. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I, will, I shall tell you. Sacrifice something you have worked for all your life. We've seen students that have started for years. Maybe you've just been in a job for two months and you've been let go. Or maybe you've built your career. You thought this organization, this company was going to be the end, the, the, the best in your career. You have arrived, you've reached the best that you could aim for. But all that has been wiped within the year. Perhaps it's your marriage and you had prayed, you believed God, and 2020 happens, and all of a sudden, what you thought was fundamental, what you thought was unshaken, God has tested, or the devil has tested, and now you're first with a loss that you don't know how to recover from. That's the point where Abraham was. And let me tell you, even in the most difficulties of challenges, God is still faithful. If you obey his word to the point of sacrifice, he will be faithful to his word, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, and all will be good towards you. Amen. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So as we... As we go through the Bible, there are many stories of sacrifice. Ruth, who was a Moabite woman, got married to a family that had come to the land of the Moabites. And he loved the God of Naomi, her mother-in-law, and served. But as time passed, her father-in-law died. And then her husband died. And he also had a sister-in-law and a brother-in-law. And the brother-in-law died as well. 
So he, she, so she was a widow. She became a widow. And so did Opa, the wife to, to Ruth's brother-in-law. And common sense says, Naomi, you're still young. Go back to your people. Get married. Start afresh. Have children. Have family. But because Ruth had known the God of Israel. And she treasured God above everything else. When Naomi tried to persuade her to do what was in the human mind logical, this is what human wisdom would have done. Go back and just continue with your life. Start afresh. Pick up the pieces and go ahead. But she knew if she go back, if she goes back to the Moabites, she would lose the God of Israel. And she decided to sacrifice that future, the possibility of a marriage, to go into a land, to go into a people which she didn't even know would even accept her, simply because she had seen the God of Naomi. And God was faithful, even to Ruth. And she became, she, she got married to an Israelite man, Boaz, who is in the, line of the, in the line of David. And she became the great-grandmother of David, the famous king, or the, one of the greatest kings of Israel. Not only that, it is in her lineage that Christ was born. Simply because she sacrificed. But oftentimes we look at these testimonies of great faith, of great sacrifices. And we think that's all there is to life. Yes, these are great testimonies that help us to learn the story of Abraham, of Isaac, of Esther, of Ruth. They help us to form our own faith, to develop our own faith. But oftentimes we are not challenged in the big things. It's in the simple things. This is why we need uncompromising focus. The, the focus that gets us through Monday to Friday, that gets us through the week, when no one is watching, when no one is judging, when, no one, when, we, when we believe we have no one in the Christian world to be immediately accountable to. This is where normally the greatest battles of life are fought. And this is where the greatest victories are also won. So do not neglect the times where things seem simple, where things seem insignificant, because if you're faithful in the little, God will trust you with the great. As we end this year, it is my prayer that we know the principle of uncompromising focus. Christ himself, we know Christ with the famous birth in Bethlehem. We know the, crucif the crucifixion in Jerusalem. We know the triumphant resurrection on the third day and his ascension to heaven. We know the greatest battles. We know the miracles. We know the highlights of his life. But there were times even Christ himself wept. There were times... Christ heads to face and content with the everyday life, the storms of life, the everyday things. 
just like you and I. He was tested on every aspect. And his mission, though we know him for the great accomplishments, though we know him for the greatest victory in history, his mission began as he spoke, as he ministered, as recorded by Luke in chapter 4, verse, uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the good year or the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. That was it. And that's our mission today. During this Christmas, even though you might be distant from our loved ones, it's still a chance to show love to those that least expect it. To those whom helping would not result in a great testimony. Nobody cares to listen to know that you gave a neighbor that was struggling groceries over Christmas. It might seem insignificant, or that you helped a student that was struggling, or that you prayed with someone that needed healing. You, those things might seem significant, but this time, as we prepare to end this year and enter into the new year, I want you to treasure preaching the good news to the poor. Freedom. Telling people that there is a way out of bondage. There is freedom for the prisoner. There is sight for the blind. We have been and we know. In the midst of challenges, a helping hand can change someone's philosophy of life forever. And reaching out to our friends, to our colleagues, be it here in church or Monday to Friday, those we interact with, can be the greatest gospel message we can preach this Christmas. Giving this Christmas can be the greatest gospel message we can preach. And in the end of our theme chapter, Paul concludes says, saying, what no eye has seen. He was quoting the prophet Isaiah, the promise from the prophet Isaiah. What no eye has seen what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. There is a great promise beyond anything we can imagine. God loved us and gave us Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. The pandemic will not separate us from the love of Christ. Loss of jobs will not separate us from the love of Christ. There is nothing, even death itself will not separate us from the love of Christ. Who Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. And then, I think Paul takes a step back and he looks at his own life. He looks at the message of the gospel. He looks at the goodness of God and then he concludes and says, 
Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For now, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That message is true today. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Those dreams that you think have disappeared, God can resurrect them. That health that you think has been a challenge in 2020, God can restore it to perfection. And we will restore it to perfection because He is the God who keeps His promises. The book of Isaiah says, by His stripes we were healed. That means He paid it all for our healing. So as David says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Just wait. You're going to see the goodness of God. And perhaps you're here today and you're wondering, how do I become part of all this great news, the good news of Christ? It's simple. You are not too far gone. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We all need a Savior. We all need Jesus Christ in our daily lives. So if you're there and you're thinking, what can I do to be part of this? The greatest decision we can make this Christmas is to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. How do you then receive Him? The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. So as we end, I want to give everyone in this room or watching online the opportunity to accept Christ if you haven't done so. It's as simple as it is written in the Logos, in this written word of God. Simply confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and you will be saved. And it also says you and your household, the loved ones around you. So... Let us pray this prayer of salvation. So if you want to receive Christ, you can raise your hand and our ushers will come to you with an envelope, with, with a card where you can give, you can put your details. That would help Pastor Rick and the whole church to pray for you. But most important, I want you to say this, whether you're watching online or here, dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you right now come into my heart the things I was doing that were sin I will stop doing I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe that Jesus that God raised him from the dead for the rest of my life I will follow you Jesus Thank you, God, for answering this prayer and for changing my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And before we end, I just want to pray for each and every one of you here. I know this year might have been tough, but God has a destiny for you, has an expected end for you. He needs courage 
He needs to give you courage to obey, to sacrifice, and to follow him, even in the everyday business. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words this morning. We know you are with us, even when there is no sign in the physical to confirm your presence, because you are an omnipresent God. God, as we come to the, towards the end of this year, we thank you for what you've been to us in 2020. If, if it hadn't been for you, God, if it hadn't been for you by our side, we don't know where we would be today. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that you give us courage to obey, to listen to what you're saying to us in this season, even as we prepare to see the future that you have for us, the future that you promised. God, we pray, Lord, that you address the challenges that we have faced. God, those that are crying for health, we pray that you give them health. God, those that are crying that you restore their marriages. I pray that you touch and restore their marriages. Father, those that are crying that you restore their education. Father, I pray that you bring their education back on track again. God, those that are crying in any aspect of their life, as we end this, we pray that this year, we pray that you, God, by the end of this year, they have a testimony of your goodness and your faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God, I pray that you bless your people. You be with your people this week. God, and as, as we end, I declare the promises of God and the blessing of God that you gave to your children. Now that we are children of Abraham by faith, I say to your people, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And may God bless you and give you a great and blessed week ahead. Amen. Today, as you have heard this message, I believe God has spoken to your life. Today, the best decision you can make is to follow Christ, to say yes to him. And if you want to say that prayer with me, I'd love to pray with you right now. So I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Say it. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. From this day forward, for the rest of my life, I will live for you. The things I was doing that were sin, I won't do anymore because you've just changed my life. And I thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you just said that prayer, that's the best prayer you've ever prayed. And I can tell you, that God's got great plans for your life. In a moment, there'll be some information that you'll see online that you can follow up because we're, the relationship doesn't stop now. We've started a relationship where we're gonna help you on this journey with Christ. Maybe you've listened to this prayer today and now you're saying, man, I got another need. Or maybe you've already given your life to Christ and you say, I need a miracle. Well, this pastor, this church believes in miracles. And so I want to pray a prayer for you right now that God will do a miracle for you. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for my friends that have listened today. God, there's nothing too big for you. You said we can ask anything according to your will and you hear us. And Lord, when you hear us, you respond to us. And Lord, right now there are people that are praying prayers all over the world and they're asking you for a miracle. 
So God, no matter what it is, I pray right now, you will touch them, you will answer their prayer, and a miracle will happen for them as we pray this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer, I can tell you, I can't wait to hear the results of that prayer. So if you just send us a note, the information will be there right after you see this video, and you can say, I want to send that guy a note to tell him what God has done for my life. We love you. And remember, God's got a plan for your life.